Top of the morning to you, or afternoon or evening, whenever you may be listening, my name is Scotty and welcome to Chip Time. Today is Thursday, September 30th, last day of the month. Where did it go? Where did it go? It has been a fun one though. Great weather. Finally, that heat and humidity after the crim, I said, get this out of my face and the forecasters listened. We had a great month of running weather here in the Midwest. A lot of fun road races, and for all of the cross-country athletes who listen to this show, uh, your season is, you know, over a third of the way done. Or if you're a middle school or high school runner, it's about halfway done. So the time does fly, but we have a lot to cover today. A packed show, as always. We are bringing back One of the segments that we haven't had in a while, runners you need to know, this time covering NAU sophomore Nico Young. That's going to be a lot of fun to cover his high school and college career and uh, and what we're thinking NAU might be able to do later this season. We're also going to recap the Coffee Classic 5K and 8-mile races, which had some pretty Pretty prime chip time representation in both races. But before we get to that, we need to start out with the metrics of the show. I seem to somehow be speaking this into existence, but we had another record-breaking week for the show. Over 100 streams and downloads in the last six days alone. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We are up to a total of 1,059 streams and downloads, cracking that millennium mark, and uh, two more five-star reviews and and ratings, ratings and reviews on the Apple Podcast. So we got to read these off. Uh, one is a little more good-natured than the other. That is all I will say. So uh, what do you want first, the good news or the bad news? I feel like most people say, give me the bad news first, so let me scroll up here. Not necessarily bad news, but there is a little bit of beef here. So the subject of the review says, America's number one running podcast. I love the sound of that. I mean, you could have stopped the review right there, but but this person kept going, and, and they made a very centralized call out here. So so pay attention. They said, the streets are saying that prime Michael Allen couldn't beat Dylan Rocha in a 200. Interesting, interesting. I have not heard those murmurs myself, but uh, I don't have an ear to the ground everywhere. I did reach out to Michael, our, our guest from the very first episode of this show, sent him a screenshot, and I said, would you care to comment? What, what is your message for the haters? And he responded, I can't believe he's living in that fantasy. So a couple guys who used to be steeplechase teammates, uh, the beef is still there. That is good content for me and uh, good competitive energy. So, so I would love maybe someday for us to have this 200-meter competition so we can settle it once and for all. But thank you for the review. And we did get another one here. Let me scroll to our newest five-star review. And the subject line 
pulls on the heartstrings for me. It says, best interviewer. And again, right there, just such kind words. Such kind words. And they kept going to say, Scotty, I appreciate your skills in interviewing your guest. You do it in a way that I don't want the interview to end. You take your time, and I feel like I get to know them personally. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much. Uh, As far as taking my time, these are certainly not short (laughs) episodes. So thank you, everyone who does listen from start to finish. Uh, I'm sure there are some who are playing that wrap-up music in their head. Wrap it up, buddy. Uh, And I do know of a few listeners who listen to this and other podcasts on like one and a half times speed. So I don't know how you can do that. I'm the kind of guy who has to listen to things at the normal the normal speed that like regular human beings talk at. But thank you for the support nonetheless. And both of you, I really appreciate those five-star ratings. We have 32 now, people. We have 32 now. That is in Sane. I love it. So before we get to the Nico Young bio, and uh, also, I'll tease this too, depending on the amount of time we have at the end of the show, I want to do a quick Joe Piani Invitational preview because that meet is tomorrow. That meet at Notre Dame is tomorrow. But before that, like I said, we need to cover a little bit of local Racing, the Coffee Classic 5K, and 8-mile races in White Lake, Michigan transpired over last weekend. And let me just say, I have been really enjoying these local races. I'm currently wearing my Draw Bucket 5K shirt from the uh, 5K that took place the week prior. And it's been so fun to meet different people and you know just just test where is the fitness at right now as much as i am someone who loves training it is fun to see how you can stack up against others in the local scene and i will tease this as well we'll just throw out teasers all episode here uh mike and i are going to be doing a long run this weekend and you're going to get to hear from the man himself on uh, some recaps of both this Coffee Classic and the Draw Bucket 5K that he won. So we're stoked to have him back on. But I will give some of my comments and perspective on what happened over these races. We got to start here. All right, I was just bragging about how nice September's weather has been. This was not the case (laughs) last Saturday. It was rainy And I wouldn't say cold per se. Uh, It was just about 50 degrees, which isn't terrible for distance running. But when it is raining and your gear and your arms and your legs and your shoes get wet, it's not warm enough that your body temperature is going to rise. It's going to stay in that that cold state of being. So because of that, it was not the most ideal of race conditions and 
Uh, besides hanging out a little bit under a pavilion after the race, there wasn't as much going on afterwards as the Draw Bucket 5K, but it was still a very fun event. So we will start with the eight-mile race, the uh, the varsity race, I guess you could say. People doing the full park loop. We had both Mike and Jason taking part in that race, and they finished first and second, respectively. So Mike is just on an absolute tear right now. Uh, back-to-back wins in back-to-back weekends. Who can stop this guy? Who can who can bring this guy back down to earth? I am just going to issue a challenge on his behalf. Maybe he hops into that 200-meter race with, with the young guys. <laughs> so they absolutely crushed it. And, you know, their their paces were not too far off from the 5K champion. They're eight-mile paces. So those guys had an absolutely phenomenal race. And switching over to the 5K, we had a long list of chip time individuals competing. So I myself was competing in the 5K. We had Rob, Mr. Mile, also in the field, stepping up in distance, so to speak. My brother was in his season debut along with his wife, Beth, my sister-in-law, in her 5K debut of her lifetime. And we also had my parents taking place in this race as well. So everybody goes out there, braves the elements, and we had some awesome performances. We got to start with my mother who brought Chip Time podcast headbands, getting the people fired up. She had a sub 30 minute performance coming off of a pretty recent knee injury. So props to her for what I would say was a courageous race in those elements. And uh, her new balance shoes sound seem to be working out very, very well. New Balance, known for that soft ride, a higher stack height, and I think coming off the knee injury, perfect shoe for you right there. I also, I'm I'm looking at my shoe rack here, the Adidas Ultra Boost, I also would recommend Boost Foam, feels like you're walking on sunshine. So great performance, Mom, and I got to give some props also to my brother. He had a monster kick at the finish in the Saucony Endorphin Shifts, and Beth also had a strong finish as well, winning her age group in her 5K debut, and I did see a smile that last point one. So if you're smiling at the end of a rainy race, I'm going to do a little crystal ball forecast in here. I think we may see some future race signups. I think, if I may be so bold, some fun was had on this day. But the big headline in this 5K race, of course, was the mustaches. I had the handlebar stash, Mr. Mile. He had a solid prefontaine stash. And uh, the biggest shout out is to my dad who taped on a fake mustache. That def- He was playing to the crowd a little bit. I would say it worked out well. He had a great finish as well. So as far as 
Mr. Mile and myself, we finished pretty high up there. Rob notched the bronze medal. He was the second one to cross the finish line, but due to chip timing, uh, shout out to the show, the an individual who started the race like a minute and a half after the gun, um, they must have just showed up late, I guess. They had a faster chip time than Rob from start to finish. So they ended up kind of leapfrogging him to that silver medal. But you can probably see where this is going. I am happy to report I took home the hardware. I took home the win in this race. And my goal for this one, like I had said in the last episode, I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. I hadn't developed really a formal race plan, but my goal was, hey, I ran this course in June, let's beat that time. Let's beat that time from June, and uh, a season's best would be sweet, but let's beat that time from June, and I did. Um, I, I ran a 1917 in June on that course, and I ran a 1901 this time around, and as soon as I saw it ticking up to 19, I, I threw in a surge, an extra little kick at the end, but I didn't start it soon enough to break 19, which which is always something I enjoy. So just short of that, but it was a good effort. And uh, just talking race tactics a little bit, I think the main reason we were more successful this time around, number one was fresher legs, but the bigger thing at play here was running a smarter race. Last time I got out in a 548 just booking it and it was a hot day and I put a lot of pressure on myself to go out that fast and try to maintain sub six paces throughout. And this time I wanted to go out closer to six flat just like the bucket 5k the week before. But the difference here was this course starts out with a nice downhill. And so with that extra momentum and adrenaline combined, uh, I did start with a 557. So I did start a little bit quicker than I had planned for, but still more conservatively than my June race. And if you do a little bit of mental math here, uh, I started nine seconds slower than June, but I finished 16 seconds faster, which tells you I ran mile two through 3.1 uh, 25 seconds faster than June. So a more consistent race that is exactly what I wanted. And given the elements not being great and uh, kind of being out on an island uh, at the paces I was running... I was pretty happy to take home a solid $5 Dunkin' Donuts gift card, which I have not yet spent, but uh, it was a fun event. Like I said, I was especially happy for uh, all of my family and friends having such successful races, and I don't have anything else on the race calendar at the moment. But one of my buddies who I trained with very much this winter, uh, he is trying to get me to sign up for another 5K at the end of June. So we're looking at one on the east side of Michigan at the moment, 
But uh, that is TBD. That is up in the air for now. So all I have to say uh, in closing about that was, again, such a fun event, especially having that many people from kind of our circle in this local running uh, podcast group. Having that many there made it such a fun event. So much of my training is solo or with Mike, you know, small, small groups or, or by myself. And it is fun every once in a while to have that broader community and to flex just a little bit. So I know there are plenty of people who could absolutely destroy me, uh, many of which were running the Brooksy Way half marathon last weekend. But it is nice to take home a W every once in a while. So I appreciate everybody's support on that. And you know what? We've been waiting for it. I think it is time to transition to our Runners You Need to Know segment, talking about Mr. Nico Young. Runners You Need to Know. This is a segment, I know we've picked up some new audience members lately, this is a segment designed to go behind the scenes a little bit with some of the top runners from both the NCAA and the professional ranks. And the man we're talking about today, I mean, his stardom goes all the way back to really his sophomore year of high school, and he has not slowed down yet. I feel like this is well overdue, but also there are just so many high-profile runners to cover that we just can't get to all of them. And But because we're in the heart of cross-country season, we got to a point, especially with something I'll bring up in the middle here, we had to talk about Nico Young. So who is he? He is currently a sophomore at Northern Arizona University, majoring in exercise science. And before we dive into the running accolades of this man, you got to get to know him a little bit. And really the best research I have, which is from social media, we know that this man is a fan of French toast and pancakes. So shout out to the Carissa Schweitzer training method uh, and race plan method that I mentioned last time. Run like there are pancakes at the finish line. Nico certainly subscribes to that. And uh, on his Instagram story today, I mean, he's just always doing cool stuff. He was using an air fryer. He was air frying vegetables in buffalo sauce. That is just cool. Like, I don't care who you are. That is cool. And I would try it if I had an air fryer and if I had buffalo sauce and if I had vegetables, but we just don't have those resources under this roof. But the biggest thing I wanted to point out overall about Nico's social media presence is it is all very positive and encouraging. And that is what this platform is designed to do as well. It's very encouraging of his program, of his younger brothers and their running, and really just 
you know, even when people will comment on one of his posts when uh, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself with some of the accolades, but we'll say when he has a record-breaking performance, he will respond back to people and say thank you. And, and if it's someone he knows, he'll be like, hey, thank you, and, and you're having a great season too. And it's just very, very much humility going on, and we love to see that in our sport. So where did this guy come from before NAU? He ran at the high school level at Newbury Park in California, where he was a two-time state champion in cross country. And if we go to the national scene, Nike Cross Nationals, as a junior, he was the 2019 uh, NXN, actually that was as a senior, he was a 20, the 2019 NXN champion and set the course record while doing so. His junior year, he was the two-mile California state champ, but then as a senior for his outdoor season, COVID-19 happened, and he was not able to defend that title because there was no outdoor track season and it was a real shame but he did end up still stepping on the track for some time trials in his um in that season in that springtime when everyone was quarantined and going through difficult times so he still ripped off some pretty impressive times running an 840 in the 3200 meters and a 1350 in the 5K, just some absolutely insane times that we've never seen from someone at the high school record. And in 2020, he notched both the accolades of the Gatorade Cross Country Player of the Year and the Gatorade Track and Field Player of the Year. So that's about as good as it gets right there. Uh, the track and field one very often goes to a sprinter or a middle distance runner. But for a distance guy to get both of those, that is legit. And the high school scene overall was very much in the spotlight at this point because on the women's side, we had Caitlin Tui, who is now at NC State and is looking like their number one front runner. So we had Nico taking over the distance scene on the on the boys' side and Caitlin Tui taking over the distance scene on the girls' side. And not only did he run those rocket fast times on the track, but also besides NXN, Nico set what was at the time the three mile cross country record of 1330 Nine at the Woodbridge Classic. And you may have heard me slip in at the time. And Nico is only a sophomore at NAU. So who could have possibly taken that time down in just the last year or two? Is that even possible? That just happened about... Just under two weeks ago, that was mid-September, when we had this year's Woodbridge Classic, where Newberry Park's Leo Young ran 13:38, defeating 
his older brother Nico's high school record by one second. And I think we got to talk about the current Newbury Park team just a little bit because their top four is unreal. And it's very rare to see family ties such as this. So their top four consists of two sets of brothers. We have the young twins, Leo and Lex. And we also have the Solomon brothers, Colin and Aaron. And I believe Colin and Aaron are two years apart. And then, of course, uh, the Youngs are in the same grade juniors this year. So Leo took down Nico's record as a junior this year. And from, from what I hear, I don't follow the high school scene as closely as the NCAA, but from what I hear, the current Newbury Park team is better than they were Nico's senior year. Now, they were really good that year. They won Nike Cross Nationals as a team. Nico as a senior, his twin brothers as, I believe that would have been freshmen at the time, but they have progressed to a level pretty much right where Nico was at that point of his high school career. And you bring in these Salmon brothers as well, and iron sharpens iron. I mean, these guys are pack running from the front. I watched that Woodbridge race a few weeks ago, and nobody else could touch him. So I, I'm excited to see what they can do, but it is disappointing, I have to throw this in there, that Nike Cross Nationals is canceled this year. I don't fully understand it, and I'm not going to be able to form a strong opinion But what they decided to do was have more regionals instead of nationals because of the Delta virus concerns. Um, So I don't fully understand that because like the NCAA is still having nationals and they're still having national high school meets. Like we just had Nike Portland XCs and we've had the Woodbridge Classic where people fly in from all different states. But for whatever reason, Nike Cross Nationals is canceled, and that is a bummer because we have perhaps the greatest high school team of all time uh, currently at Newberry Park. But back to the elder statesman, the older brother, Nico Young, we need to talk about his collegiate career thus far. So last year was that weird season where fall of 2020, some conferences raced, some didn't, and then in the winter, if you didn't race in the fall, you had to if you wanted to run at nationals. And Nico did not race at all during fall 2020. Uh, He actually, I think, was supposed to race at the Oklahoma State Invitational that Luis Grijalva took the win, but he had just a slight nagging injury at the time, and Mike Smith held him out. Very smart decision because he started ripping off some crazy performances in his debut season. And I have talked to some of my friends on this show before about that transition from the 5K on the grass in high school to the 8K in college, and it is not an easy transition to make. 
for anyone. At least you wouldn't think it would be. Because here are Nico Young's performances as a freshman. In his debut, the Silver State Cross Country Challenge, he finished second place to Connor Mance, who ended up winning the national championship. And if you watch the end of that race, he really took it to him, even that last kilometer, and was going for it. And I would have expected a freshman to fade. Perhaps even Mance expected Young to fade, and he hung with him that entire time. Mance is just such a grinder that that he was able to pull away there at the end. But I remember watching the end of that race just like, this guy is for real. This guy is for real. So not only did he finish second to Mance, the other the rest of the competition was very strong in that race. Not only did he beat the rest of his NAU teammates, but he beat Casey Klinger, an All-American of BYU, and the entire Notre Dame team, including Danny Kilrea and Jared Nagus and Dylan Jacobs, All-American guys. He defeated them all. And then in his second meet, the Battle Born Classic, he finished second place to his teammate Abdi Noor by 0.2 seconds. Came right down to the end. And he even defeated Luis Grijalva in that race, the Stanford duo of Charles Hicks and Cole Sprout, and Eduardo Herrera from Colorado. All just extremely talented guys. And this was only his second 8K in his life. Then we got to Nationals, where you're stepping up even more to a 10K course, a long, grueling, hilly course in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Nico Young finishes fourth place, leading his team to the national title. All he does is win. I mean, Newberry Park, Nike Cross Nationals champs, NAU, NCAA champs. All he does is win. And although we've seen some some strong marks in the track as well that I'll cover here in a second, I really think this guy is a cross-country runner at heart. The courage it took to go with Mance that first race, I think this guy is not afraid to mix it up with anybody. And he has national champ potential even with Mance coming back this year. So switching to the Oval, he did not run indoor because those meets I mentioned did take place in that winter abbreviated season where you had to compete if you wanted to run at Nationals. So his debut was on the outdoor Oval, and we saw a couple different things from him. We saw a 344, 1500 meters, which was third in the Big Sky Conference. And uh, his teammate, Luis Grijalva, was actually the Big Sky champ in that event. While that time is not going to win you a national championship, I think we forget how fast 344 is because so many guys in those Nike Dragonflies went under 340 this year. It was absolutely crazy. But 344, for a guy who I really think is a cross-country runner specialist, that is some wheels. That is showing some wheels. Depending on who you ask, that converts to right around a 401 mile or so. 
The Fresno State meet, this was a big one too. He paced for about six or seven kilometers. He paced the 10K for his teammates. And both Abdinor and Blaze Farrow ran sub 28 minutes in the 10K there. And there's an interview with Mike Smith after that race where everyone's saying like, hey, Nico looked so comfortable there. Why didn't you have him just race the full 10K? And the all-knowing Mike Smith just starts laughing a little bit. And he's like, I'm not having him race 10K on the track as a freshman. And, and you just see this look in his, in his eyes like, I'm training this guy for four years, not for one single all-out season. The 5K, though, is where Nico really made a splash on the track. Drake Relays recorded a 13.24. So I mentioned that as a high school senior in the pandemic season, he time-trialed a 13.50, which is already absolute bananas. But as a freshman, to get under 13.30... A U-20 record, an under-20 record, 13-24. The guy can do it all. So how is he looking so far? How is he looking to start this 2021 season? NAU brought their A squad to the Cowboy Jamboree at that Oklahoma State course, and he finished fourth place in this race. Considering the competition though, it was a very strong finish. The winner was Isai Rodriguez of Oklahoma State defending home turf and he kind of ran away from everybody in that race. Uh, Eduardo Herrera of Colorado, who I mentioned before, he was second place and then three through five was the NAU guys, Abdi Nur, Nico Young, and Drew Bosley, and I mentioned in one of our last episodes how important that is that Bosley is running with those guys because if they have a lethal top three like that, and if Brody Hasty can step up too, and George Kusha, the reigning Big Ten champ who has transferred to NAU, if, if that five can all get to All-American status, NAU could defend that title as much as Notre Dame wants to say something about it. So I personally am not convinced that Nico was going all out in this race. I think they were trying to drag Bosley along a little bit. And now that we've seen that, I think Nico's going to unleash the beast in his next race. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see that next race until October 15th, but it's going to be a big one pre-nationals on the Florida State course in Tallahassee where the national championships will be this year. NAU will have their A squad there. Uh, Women's team is running at Lehigh this weekend, but the men's team is not. So I'm excited to see what Nico can do. Obviously, after looking at all those credentials, he has really as high of a ceiling as anyone, I mean, really as anyone, to see that much accomplished at the high school level and then to already start to translate it 
on the collegiate scene, what can the guy not do? So I'm excited to follow NAU. I mean, they are the favorites, and, and we don't always want the favorites to win. But if you go back to what I said at the beginning, the positivity on social media, it's hard not to root for the guy when you see how encouraging he is. And I mentioned Leo breaking his high school record. I mean, Nico like reposted that and said, like, I'm so proud of you and like I'm so happy right now. Like, if I, I'm not an older sibling, so I, I have to kind of project how I would feel. I'd be kind of pissed <laughs> if my younger brother beat one of my records. Like, I wouldn't publicly say that, but privately I'd be like Man, like that record only stood for like two years, but he was really happy for Leo. And if we're looking in the crystal ball with eligibility, Nico's really only like freshman eligibility due to the free season last year. He could be running at NAU with Leo and Lex in in two years as a quote-unquote junior. So... Who knows? I mean, I'm picturing the young family all finishing in the top 10 at NCAAs. I mean, let's see it. Let's see it. So super stoked for them. And as we wrap up the show, I do have some shout outs. The first one is the biggest shout out. It is a shout out to Joe Klecker and Sage Herta of the On Athletics Club, formerly of the University of Colorado, on their engagement. Congratulations, you guys. And I'm calling I'm calling this right here. I think Mark Wetmore should get to officiate the wedding because if he did not recruit such elite talent such as this, the two of them would have never been brought together. So I just want to shout out Mark Wetmore for that recruiting. Next one I have on the list here is a shout out for Ella Donahue, now a Stanford alumni, multiple time All-American, both in cross country and track. She has signed with Nike and Pete's Dragons, Pete Julian's group, and I think we're going to see big things from Ella. Um, I'm excited that, like, to see that she's gone with Nike and Ellie Hennis has gone with Adidas to Mike Smith's group because the two of them are pretty equal caliber runners. And, and I don't know, for me, it's cool to see them with different shoe companies for the competitive scene where they both certainly will be a part of it for the future. We got to talk a little bit about recapping some of the cross-country meets that took place last weekend. I mentioned it at the tail end of last show, but we had a couple big ones. The first one was last Thursday. We had the Bill Dellinger Invitational. That is at Oregon's home course, and that one was on Runner Space, so I got to watch that one, they did a great job with the broadcast and that new studio they have with Paul Swangard, it's kind of sick. So that I'm making that like one of my goals someday to be uh, an in-studio runner space correspondent. That, that studio is looking pretty sick. So 
This course, for those who are not familiar, it is one of the most beautiful cross-country courses in the entire nation. I hope I will do it some justice describing it. So it is a golf course, so a grass course that is kind of rolling hills, nothing steep, but it's down a little bit, up a little bit. It's wide enough that you could go about six runners wide, and also it is a two-kilometer loop. So for the men, they went through that loop four times, and the women went through it three times. Starting with the uh, women's race, I don't have a ton to say. I can't say there was um, like a national champion potential runner in this race, but the biggest takeaway was that the Utah women are here and they're back. And they kind of shocked the world with that performance. Emily Venters, who's a 2018 All-American and has unfortunately had some some injuries and challenges since then, uh, she was an All-American with Boise State. Then she transferred to Colorado and now she's with Utah. And Emily Venters is back. I mean, she... She stamped her name on that field, ran with the front through 5K and only faded a little bit to finish still well within that top 10. But she was up there. Simone Plourd, who has transferred from BYU, was up there. And and Bella Williams had a good race. All of this without Poppy Tank, who was Utah's top runner last year. So Utah women looking extremely strong in that race. And on the men's side, you knew it since he didn't go pro. Cooper Tier took the dub fairly comfortably, I might add. Second place behind him was Aaron Bienenfeld, the transfer from Cincinnati. Those guys went 1-2. And, I mean, they were kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the field, so it wasn't too surprising but there was a strong uh, contingent of Gonzaga runners as well. You seen Grimali and uh, James Mora went 3-4. So it was a good race overall. And I'm just happy to see that Cooper stuck it out for cross-country here. Uh, I'm a little bit biased as a cross-country fan. But, you know, once these guys go pro, you typically don't get to see them on the grass again. So I have stamped my claim on this program that Cooper Tier is my national champ favorite. I do think Nico is going to be in that mix. And of course, Connor Mance, the defending champ, is going to have something to say about it. But I'm sticking with my gut. And that performance did not make me think anything otherwise. So Cooper Tier, big W there. But speaking of Connor Mance... There was also the Roy Griak Invitational at the University of Minnesota, and Connor Mance took the W there, one second over Wesley Kiptu. So I will say this was a deeper Roy Griak field than they've had in the past. I mean, my my university, my team ran there in uh, my sophomore year of college. I was injured at the time, so I did not go with the team. But it typically, at least the way I think about it, is like a pretty heavy Division II field 
it's like some some really talented Division two teams plus Minnesota and like maybe Michigan State. So there are some solid D1 teams. But this year, it was pretty darn loaded on both the men's and the women's side. And to see two guys who finished within the top three last year at Nationals and duked it out on that 10K course rematching, that was exciting. Unfortunately, the whole race was not televised, but they did show the finish where Kiptu and Mance were neck and neck, I mean, all the way down to the last 100 meters. And I mentioned it, talking about that Nico young Connor Mance duel. Mance is such a grinder. He just somehow finds another gear, and he pulled away from Kip 2 and took the win by just about a second. So the last guy we've seen beat Connor Mance on the grass, a little trivia for you, it was Luis Grijalva. And he is professional with Hoka now. So who is going to do it? I think it's going to be Cooper Tier. On the women's side, though, I have a big shout-out for Kaylee Logue of Iowa State. And really, all you need to know about Kaylee Logue is this. In 2018, she was the Big 12 champion. In 2019, she was the Big 12 champion. In 2020, yes, she was the Big 12 champion for the Iowa State Cyclones, but this weird winter season did not work well for her. Similar to other runners, she was running indoor track because she had already punched her ticket to nationals in the fall. So in January, February, early March, she's running indoor track and then goes to that national championship cross-country meet on March 15th, and it did not work out well, finishing outside the top 100, outside of All-American status, and because of that disappointment, I am so glad to see her back uh, looking strong on the cross-country course, taking down names such as Jenna Magnus of Michigan State, such as Bethany Haas of Minnesota on her home course two All-Americans from last year, and uh, Sydney Seymour of Tennessee finishing third between Magnus and Haas. Strong runner as well, and good finish for her. But it's good to see Kaylee Logue back because she was winning a lot of small meets last year, and then she won her conference meet, and there was just that gap until Nationals. I really feel like it took her momentum And this season, she will get a chance to carry that momentum to a normal national championships. So the very last thing before we wrap up the show, I did want to talk a little bit about the Joe Piani Invitational. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we're already to Joe Piani. Notre Dame, Notre Dame hosting this meet. It is named after legendary coach. Joe Piani of Notre Dame, and man, he coached there forever, <laughs> like 40 years, I think. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll do a little segment on him sometime, but this is, by all means, one of, if not the biggest invitationals of the entire season. This is one you circle your calendar for. This is one 
If you had plans, you cancel them. It's Joe Piani Friday in South Bend, Indiana. And let's take a look here at some of the start lists. We've got like over 30 universities, including some of the top caliber men, men's and women's teams. So we'll, we'll go ladies first here. We'll go ladies first. We are going to see the Alabama Crimson Tide, including the reigning cross-country national champion, Mercy Chalangat, and the third-place finisher, Ameris Tanisma, making their season debuts. We're going to see the Grand Valley State Lakers, one of the top Division II teams, mixing it up with some of the big D1 schools. The Washington Husky women, featuring Haley Herberg, the reigning Pac-12 champion. She was also an All-American in the 10K outdoors on the track. We have the Minnesota Golden Gophers looking for a little redemption. Yes, they won Roy Griak as a team, but Bethany Haas, she's a top 10 national runner. She doesn't take many losses. Finishing fourth on her home course, she can't be too happy about that. She wants to take it to Mercy Chalanga and win Joe Piani, and guess who else is here? Yes, you guessed it, the NC State Wolfpack. My preseason selection for the national champions. Caitlin Tuohy has been looking on fire. They've also got Kelsey Camille. They've also got Hannah Steelman. This is an extremely team, extremely talented team, loaded with both talent and experience. And there are a lot of other solid teams in the field as well. But I gotta I gotta put in my predictions here. Who do I think individually and team-wise will win Joe Piani tomorrow? I am not gonna go with Mercy Chilanga, which is uh which is kind of a, kind of a shocker here. Um, because she's my national champion pick. But the way Caitlin Tui is running right now. And taking it to people. I don't know if it's this Nico Young talk that's got me thinking about those that 2019 NXN meet, but she put the beat down <laughs> on that entire field. And and then she ran at USATF cross country championships and finished like second ahead of a bunch of professionals. She was somewhat injured last year and still was able to finish as an all-American. And currently is undefeated in this fall season thus far in some small meets. I'm taking Caitlin Tui and I'm taking the NC State Wolfpack. Shifting up here, scrolling up on my mouse to the men's side. A couple, a couple I gotta point out here. We got Florida State, including Adrian Wildscoot, who is also undefeated thus far this fall and finished second place at nationals last year right behind Connor Mance well I shouldn't say right behind because Mance kind of put the beat down by like 25 seconds on that field but he was second place behind Connor Mance and ahead of Wesley Kip too and man this guy likes to front run this guy likes to front run and what is so fascinating about that is we have the Notre Dame A squad here. Finally, we're going to see Dylan Jacobs, Danny Kilrea, Yared Nagoose, and Nagoose likes to front run too. They don't like to mess with those shenanigans in the packs. They don't want to get tripped up. 
these guys say, I am more fit than this entire field. I want to take it. And I think we are due for a big duel between Nagus and Wild Scoot. We've also got the Michigan Wolverines here. Devin Meyer, multiple-time All-American. Unfortunately, I believe Tom Brady is still injured. We are big Tom Brady fans on this program. And he's a good cross-runner, so it's too bad he's he's not really getting to uh, take advantage, full advantage of this normal season. But we also have the Grand Valley Lakers in this one as well. And, and I'm interested to see how they mix it up. Uh, I, I personally do not expect to see any top 10 finishes from Tanner Chata or Isaac Harding. But the, the unspoken little duel here is going to be Isaac Harding versus Devin Meyer, his former teammate. Harding was a grad transfer from the University of Michigan to Grand Valley, and and that could be a little interesting storyline here. Uh, Personally, I think Devin's going to beat him, kind of no problem, but the last team I want to point out here is the Ole Miss Running Rebels, Mario Garcia-Romo. It's more fun at MGR making his season debut. Unfortunately, Cole Bullock is, at least according to Let's Run, he is either injured or he's running somewhat hurt. So not expecting to see anything massive out of him, but MGR is one of my favorite runners in the entire country. And I think he is going to be right up there with Wild Scoot and Nagoose. And I think the other Notre Dame guys, I mean, it's their home course. They might pack it up and just go for the team win, but we will see how this one transpires. I got to make my predictions here. I think the team win is pretty obvious. It's going to be Notre Dame. Uh, We got a lot of talent in this field, but just not enough depth for many other teams. And I think Notre Dame takes this one fairly handily on their home course. As far as the individual win, I'm going to go with Adrian Wildscoot here. Uh, Like I said, Nagoose might be packing it up with the Notre Dame guys to ensure their number five runner is in contention to get them a good team score. But I do think my dark horse pick here is Mario Garcia-Romo. I would love to see him. He's got better 1,500-meter speed. I mean, like, a lot better 1,500-meter speed than Wild Scoot does. So if he's with them the last 100, I think MGR could be the 2021 Joe Piani champion. So I am extremely excited for that. Gosh, it's less than 24 hours away. And uh, I even hustled a little bit to get this episode up because after having Roy Griak and Bill Dellinger, um, I needed to catch up a little bit on some of the exciting cross country we've had. And I wanted to sneak in some Joe Piani predictions before the meet transpired. So as we get out of here, if you want to get in contact with the show, remember you can always email me, chiptimepod at gmail.com, chiptimepod at gmail.com. If you want to join our Strava group, just follow me on Strava and I will add you to the Chip Time Strava page. Continue leaving ratings and reviews on the Apple Podcast. We are marching up those rankings and not going anywhere anytime soon. And with that, 
Thanks for listening. Keep working hard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.